Hello everyone. I am really excited. We have with us today Samir Qureshi, who is the co-founder and CEO of NAC. This is a really cool innovation for improving student experiences on campus at university. So stick around. You want to learn about this. Welcome to the Your Mark on the World show with your champion of social good, Devin D. Thorpe. This episode is made possible via the support of our sponsors, including Johnson & Johnson's Caring Crowd. Samir, welcome to the show. Hi, Devin. How are you? Great, great. I really appreciate you taking the time to be with me today. I'm excited to learn more about NAC. Uh, I could have used a little bit of more NAC when I was in college. So tell us about NAC. What is NAC? Yeah, absolutely. And thanks for having me here. Um, NAC is a platform that increases student success on college campuses around outcomes um, such as academic improvement, uh, student employment, as well as workforce readiness. And essentially what we do is we provide a platform to universities that allows them to onboard their high achieving students. So students that have typically done well in their courses and in topics uh, to become peer leaders on campus, tutors, mentors, uh, coaches, advisors, uh, and they become available on our mobile platform, mobile first platform, that then students who are needed uh, help in those sorts of uh, courses or topics can book them for. Those sessions typically take place in person and on campus, though we do have an online component as well if they choose that modality. Um, and then our, our technology tracks all the data and the student performance, the tutor performance, feeds that right back to the institution to help track student retention and student outcomes. That's fascinating. Now, uh, are the students who are helping, mentoring, guiding, and tutoring, are they doing this as a community service or are they compensated? Yeah, great question. So a little bit of both. Um, right now, about 20% of our tutor base is completely free, and that's because they're intrinsically motivated to help somebody. Um, you know, there's a lot of uh, not just research that proves tutoring is beneficial uh, from a skills development standpoint, but also just personally, it's very satisfying to a lot of folks, right? Uh, and a lot of students find it to be a good way of relearning, right? They say to teach is to learn twice. Um, so there's that aspect. Um, but then, of course, there's the aspect of being able to make a little bit of money. So typically, um, tutors will set their own rate, but we have an average of under $20 an hour, which is really affordable when you think about in-person course-specific help, meaning that tutor actually took that course at the same institution before and did well. Um, and then, uh, again, the opportunity is really uh, in the hands of the tutor to select that rate. But uh, most, most tutors are really kind of very modest in their hourly rate, and everything is prorated and billed to the minute. So, for instance, if I book you for an hour session, but we only meet up for 40 minutes, I'm only going to pay that uh, accordingly based on your hourly rate through our system. That's very cool. So this is, uh, you know, to use a clumsy metaphor, it's sort of the uh, Uber for tutoring. <laughs> I guess you could say that. Um, you know, it's funny, we, we used a lot of that sort of verbiage in the beginning. Um, but then we realized, you know, Uber is very much kind of transactional, right? Where I get help, or I, I book my car, I get my ride, and I never see that person again. Um, with us, it, it's almost more of a personal relationship you're cultivating with an individual. So we like to think it's it's a little bit more personal than that. Um, but at the end of the day, um, you know, we are a marketplace. We're somewhat on demand, uh, and it's mobile first. So there are a lot of elements that are kind of shared there. Yeah. What was really the goal when you sat down and started working on this? What was the problem you wanted to solve? Did I lose you, Samir? Oh, no. Are you there? 
Yeah, looks like I lost you there for a second, Samir. So what was the problem you wanted to solve when you first sat down to work on this? Yeah, so, um, you know, I think access um, of academic help in, in any course that you really need help in right now, typically universities um, and students are really only able to provide or find help in courses that are, uh, you know, the ones you generally think of, the calculuses, the chemistries, and and what have you, and typically universities are really only able to cover the lower level courses, the ones that you call them the weed out courses, the ones where there's 800,000 students in a big state institution, um, which is great because that's where a lot of the need is, right? But when you start to get in your upper level courses, um, you know, we have tutors tutoring advanced agricultural business economics, right? A typical economics tutor is not going to necessarily be able to help you in the same regard, nor is it relevant anymore. Um, so we really came in to help fill those long tail courses. Um, as well as other kind of soft skill developmental uh, courses that students don't really have a way of taking, right? Resume editing, uh, mentorship, um, first year success coaching, um, you know, almost being being a motivator on top of being a, a tutor, right? And so we try to kind of marry this experience with sort of having someone that motivates and encourages you uh, and leads you through your class rather than kind of just tells you the material, if you will. So there's really this, this um, desire to solve the problem of, of access and affordability to help no matter what course you're in uh, and being able to find someone that's the most relevant someone that's been in your shoes before someone that's sat there has that empathy uh, and someone who's potentially your age that you could end up being good friends with um, so kind of forging these collaborative collisions that are already happening on a campus but formalizing them through a process that then captures data that's really important for the institution to make better decisions does the institution the university have to be involved in this transaction or to what extent are they involved on the platform today? Yeah, that's a great question. So um, we actually started the business direct to consumer, direct to students. So we'd go out there, educate the high achieving students on the, the value and the benefits, both intrinsically, again, as that uh, goodness of heart, but also the extrinsic motivation of make a little bit of money flexibly. Um, so we did that going direct to student uh, and we, you know, we did really well. We ended up scaling the business about 50 campuses uh, we did it completely remote, right? So we did never step foot on most of those campuses. We just kind of uh, had our tactics of finding these students and activating them, if you will. Um, but what we realized was at the end of the day, we had more and more students uh, on the receiving end that didn't necessarily want to continue to pay for this because when you come to tutoring, uh, it's not necessarily the most exciting thing. It's not the first thing you think about spending your money on. Um, and so, you know, we, we saw that side of the business kind of, you know, difficult because, you um, it's not just a marketing problem, but it's also the issue of I can't necessarily afford this with my three to five hundred dollar allowance I get, right? So how do we drive the cost down? Uh, but then on the tutor side, one thing that was really interesting that we noticed were that our tutors were going off to really incredible companies, the Googles, the, the Amazons, the Spotify's of the world. Go figure, right? They're they're high achieving students. They've done well. They're continuing to hone those skills as they meet up with these other students that they're instructing. So we had this interesting kind of. Um, a view on our business and we said we've got two sides here and we're trying to drive costs down try to drive accessibility you know higher uh, and we've got really interesting groups of students on the platform so what we started to do uh, was we approached some of these companies and we said you know would you like to support these students and have access to potentially hiring them by basically supporting their uh, learning and earning we called it uh, and so we had companies like pwc that came in and said sure we'll cover the cost of all the accounting tutoring by backing the top tutors as basically PwC branded tutors to go out and help other students and enrich that uh, experience for them to make a better decision on whether or not they are a good hire, right? Those soft skills are being built. For the student, what that does is it offsets the cost. 
So universities got really excited about this. Um, and so we had the opportunity to work with some of the largest institutions in the country, University of Central Florida, which is not too far down the street here from us, and then Arizona State University, which is one of the largest institutions in the world. Um, so ASU took an equity stake in our business and they said, we think there's an opportunity for you to work directly with institutions and we wanna be kind of your first customer and back you. So now we've really kind of taken a more B2B to C approach where we work with the institution directly because our incentives are the same. We want students to succeed. Um, we want students to do well. Um, and ultimately they get to now look at data that they previously never had. Um, so we kind of bring this unveiled layer of, of student learning data, student improvement, student development. Um, so it started direct to consumer and now we're actually really focusing on driving institutional partnerships. But to answer your question in short, we don't need the blessing of the campus. We typically start direct to uh, consumer and then we take that groundswell activity and go to the institution and say, we're doing great things, let's talk. Yeah. So in some cases now the university is subsidizing or paying for all of the tutoring for some of the students. Is that right? That's right. And it's typically done departmentally. So college or business will cover the cost of tutoring. By nature of them covering the cost of tutoring, they're actually putting money back into the pockets of their high achievers, right? So they're actually investing back into their campus, which I think is really, really cool. Um, and so, uh, you know, yeah, that's, that's exactly right. They'll back courses, they'll back tutors, they'll back departments. Uh, some campuses are doing the whole campus, right? The whole end-to-end NAC is the official go-to tutoring platform. But because of the way this is set up, in sort of a gig approach, the universities aren't onboarding dozens or hundreds of employees. You're managing a pool of independent contractors uh, instead. So it really simplifies things for the university. Am I thinking about that right? Exactly. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, it's really an operational shift, right? Um, we're moving right now from an infrastructure-based economy to a service-based economy, right? Where uh, decentralization and um, distributed natures of, of, um, of, of the workforce is actually what's starting to happen, right? Uh, the, the, the look and feel of a traditional college student's even changing. And so I think by nature of that, universities have to become uh, innovators and have to think outside the box if they want to stay relevant and if they want to support students end to end. And so we, again, we've been really lucky to work with a really nice handful of institutions that believe that that's an important facet of the student experience. Fascinating. Well, Samir, what are you most proud of having accomplished? Um, you know, I think it's it's uh, being able to build a team that's really excited about this and, and, and being able to wake up every day and, um, you know, put this as an one priority, sacrificing a, a, you know, a typical salary at a big company or uh, sacrificing, you know, uh, you know, having that, that, that true kind of safety blanket, if you will, right? Working at a startup, uh, is, is sounds very appealing and sounds very fun, and it is. Um, but there are a lot of um, you know uh, low points that a lot of folks hit, and those usually aren't very much um, uh, spotlighted. And so I think we've done a lot by being able to keep our team together, not just keep them together, grow them, uh, both internally and the, the people that they become, but even more so adding folks to the team that buy into this mission. And so um, you know we, we've been fortunate enough to raise a little over a couple million dollars in, in venture capital funding. Um, we've been able to work, as I'd mentioned, on over 50 campuses. So I think we've accomplished a lot in the last two years. Um, and I think uh, having none of us have, are all first-time founders. We're all, we've never started a company in the past. Um, and we, you know, we're fairly young. And so I think you know, that, that young mentality is good, but it's also important to have that always learning mentality, right? So that's a big mantra we live by here. So 
it's really been kind of the internal development of our team. Seeing our product out on 50 campuses has been incredible too. Samir, what is the most important lesson you've learned as you've been building this company? Um, I think it's, it's, it's truly persistence. Um, you know, again, there, there have been moments where we didn't think the company was going to survive for a couple more months. And, uh, you know, it's really tough when it's everything you've worked for for the last two to three years. And, you know, not just physically of, of, you know, building a product, but also emotionally and, and, and really being passionate about the problem of, of helping students get help because ultimately we're not just developing students in the classroom. We truly believe we're developing them for the workforce. Um, and I think by nature of being an integral part of a student's experience on campus, um, it's hard to think sometimes that someone doesn't want to buy the product or someone doesn't want to invest or, you know, a media outlet doesn't want to write about us, right? It, and I think over time, resilience just starts to build up. And, and that'll only happen if you have a team. And it's really indicative of our whole mission, right, of having peers around you that can support you. And I think that's what we've been able to do is we've been able to mobilize this team and be agile and understand okay, if, if direct-to-consumer doesn't make sense, what does make sense, right? And so I would say persistence and agility. And I think those two things can come a lot from resilience, which just comes from understanding that, you know, this is the game of life and, and that, um, you know, everything is truly a learning opportunity as, as elementary as that works out. What motivated you to get started with this? Um, so... Kind of a you know to make a long story short um, i'm a first generation immigrant moved to the united states with my mom uh, when i was uh, seven and that was truly to get an education right my mom came here and you know what i was told was this is america it's the greatest country in the world if you work hard here if you get an education um, you can truly accomplish whatever you want and um, i think at a very young age um, my mom actually had me tested for gifted and they came back and told me He's definitely not gifted. He's actually on a poor academic track and he needs to be on medication and he needs all these sorts of intervention services. And, uh, you know, my mom never told me that until much later and instead became my first tutor and um, really instilled academic, um, uh, you know, uh, persistence in me and really helped me understand that, you know, maybe I didn't learn in a traditional environment, but maybe there was a way for me to learn and to actually exceed. Uh, and so I ended up doing really well and I subsequently became a tutor. Uh, and I really enjoyed, again, that intrinsic feeling of helping someone. It started out as a volunteer job at a library, then it started to get paid. Um, and so it was a really great job because it was also entrepreneurial, right? I could work when I wanted, I could manage my own clients. I got to, um, again, instill uh, hope and, and education in someone. So um, I think falling in love with that, but then I kind of fall, fell out of touch with it when I started to get into um, you know, my, my latter years of college and understanding where I wanted to go. So I was lucky enough to work at Apple. Uh, and then I went to work on a company called Gartner, which is the largest IT research and uh, advisory firm. Did very well there in sales, um, but I just didn't want to be kind of a bigger part of a, or a smaller part of a bigger machine. So um, I wanted to be at a place where if I didn't show up to work, something wasn't going to work right. And so, um, again, thinking back, education was a recurring theme. Um, I had seen my friends struggle in college and we had kept uh, seeing this problem over and over, whereas most education companies are focused on K-12, we wanted to focus on college students and the evolution of what was happening with Uber and Airbnb and marketplaces and the gig economy was so interesting that I thought we could really apply a different model um, and, and you know, take this business in a different direction. Samir, what is your superpower? Um, if I could have one? 
Is that what you're asking? No, I'm asking what makes you amazing. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't wake up every day thinking I'm an amazing person, uh, and and I would argue that that could be detrimental to some people's ego. Uh, but I would say, uh, you know, I, I think I, um, I think it's just passion. I think it's 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 waking up every day and remembering that you know, despite people saying no, despite uh, you know things not going out according to plan. Um, there's a purpose here, right? And so I think remembering that this is a mission-driven organization and uh, and exfoliating that out uh, is is what I hope to do well. Uh, and I hope that that's something that, you know, I could be remembered as is having a mark on the world and, you know, if you will, within education and higher education, because I think higher education is typically you think professors and you think old and Ivy and, you know, which is which is beautiful and it's a big piece of what we need. But I also think there needs to be more energy and there needs to be uh, and understanding that again, the student's changing, and I think um, by bringing this different perspective, uh, we're able to impact more people. That's terrific. Well, Samir, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us today. I know you're busy running a company, but before you go, would you take just a minute to tell people how they can learn more about NAC and how they can connect with you personally? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, joinnac.com, J-O-I-N-K-N-A-C-K.com, is our website. Um, personally, I'm on Twitter. Um, it's at S-A-M-Y-R, my first name, and then I-C-L-E, um, and uh, LinkedIn as well. So if they search my name on LinkedIn or even Google, those sorts of outlets should definitely pop up. But joinnac.com and uh, our handles across Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook is at joinnac as well. Fantastic. Well, Samir, thank you very much for taking the time to be with us today. We wish you every success in improving education uh, across the country and around the world. Thank you. I really appreciate it, Devin. All righty. Let's do some good. At Caring Crowd, we believe everyone has the power to make a difference. Through our crowdfunding platform for community health, we empower passionate people to drive real change. Whether you work for a nonprofit organization, volunteer, or want to get involved for the first time, you can post a campaign on Caring Crowd. Join us, because caring is where change begins. Thank you for listening. Devon Thorpe's mission is to end extreme poverty, improve global health, and mitigate climate change before 2045 by finding and sharing the stories of those who are doing the most good. You can join with other listeners to accelerate Devon's mission by visiting helpdevon.org right now.